Guess what? I'm moving country again. I don't know. Maybe a year. Maybe more. Where's home? Home's everywhere. I'm an expat. Hello and welcome on this new episode of Meet the Expat. If you're a regular, you will realize that this is not Pauline's voice. Why? Because she's going to be the guest of today's episode. And you will discover Pauline's experience as an expat. Hi, Pauline. Welcome on your podcast. How does it feel to be behind the mic? Hi, Fanny. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's strange. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh, it's going to be a twist to the episode. And yeah, I'm on... I'm in the hot seat today, so it might be a little emotional. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe uh, maybe we can start by explaining a tiny bit uh, where does this idea come from. So um, actually, we had a discussion, and I was saying, but Pauline, the, all the stories of all the expats are amazing. But what about you? You know, like your yeah. story is also amazing and I would like to know more about it. So there you go. That's why we are here today. <laughs> It's true. I never got very personal and shared my story yet. So Fanny, who you might recognize, I interviewed a few episodes ago, um, is taking my spot for today's episode and she'll get a lot around my childhood as a third culture kid. <laughs> me moving around on my own later and how how this podcast was born <laughs> of course exactly so before we dive into um, your story could you please give us like an introduction of who you are yes. and what you do so i'm Pauline the usual host of this podcast Media Expats uh, but to go a bit deeper i i grew up abroad uh, i'm french both my parents are french but we moved abroad quite Early on, I was about two years old. And so in total, I probably spent 15 years uh, abroad and I'm 35. So you can see the ratio is I've... I moved on my own also. We'll talk about it. And I am back in France. I live in Paris mainly. Uh, I still host this podcast, but I work full time in a tech, French tech startup where you can do a lot of remote work which is great because I still get to travel, which is sort of what I live for. <laughs> Traveling seems to be a really huge part of your life. So thank you for this introduction. Can we now dive a little more into your, your history and your experience as an expat? Yeah. So the, I think the difference between, um, like the difference with your, your guests is you were an expat as a child. Exactly, yeah. I'm so what you call a TCK, the third culture kid. I was born in Paris, but at the age of two years old, my parents moved to Dublin, Ireland. That's the accent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's there. And so we spent seven years there. So straight, yeah, as a tiny little child, I was moved off to Ireland. And most of my childhood memories are from Dublin, Ireland. So so where did you go to school? I went to school in Dublin and straight into Irish school. So I didn't I only did the crèche in France in Paris, uh which would be nursery school, I guess. And then as soon as I moved my parents looked at the school system, the 
French school in Dublin didn't have a huge reputation. I mean, the one in London is extremely, extremely good, but they looked around and said, you know what, let's just go to Irish private school. Um, I was two, so, you know, languages yeah. were just starting. And I mean, it is a blessing. I'm very grateful that I was able to learn both French and English at the same time. So I'd speak French at home. Yeah learn French at home um, but at school I was fully immersed I mean we were probably two foreigners out of a class of 20 people 20 kids <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a Spanish girl and there was me um, okay. and straight away yeah I was put into it and I ended up learning how to read in English before I actually learned to read in French and after a couple of years because we spent seven years so I was there from the age of two to nine um, my mom started giving me French classes on top just so that I wouldn't lose the French level. I could actually stabilize and get okay. the grammar right and things like that. So we did what we call the CNED, which is very famous in France, which is um, French classes that you can do um, by distance. Uh, so it's correspondence. So at the time it was an internet, but they'd send over yeah. the homework. <laughs> You'd do the homework with your mom and then you'd send back the homework so they would uh, correct it and you'd get grades. And so we did that for a couple of years of wow. go home, you do the Irish homework um, and then you do an extra hour or two uh, of French. So mom okay, so was also a teacher at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that must have been quite heavy on you as a kid. I mean, that's a lot of hours spent yeah. studying. I mean, basically all day, right? It was pretty intense, uh, but I think the the school system in Ireland just helped a little bit. I think you probably finish school a little bit earlier than in France. In France, it's often okay. 5 p.m. I think in Ireland, it was probably 3 or 4 p.m. And after a while, what we did is I'd go to study. So it's basically the students can stay an hour um, supervised by a teacher and they do their homework there. And then you okay. go home and normally you're finished. And so for me, it was just an extra hour, but at least that was done and supervised at school. And then okay. at the moment, there was that extra little thing. I mean, often we were late for the French classes. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. not perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so just that we have a really um, good picture. So you, do you have brothers or sisters? No, I'm an only no. child. Okay. And your mom was working or she was not? No. no. Okay. So she was working when we were living in Paris. And yeah. then, I mean, this was back in the late 80s. And when she moved to follow my father, she, well, she stopped working because it was a question of, she didn't completely speak English yet. At the time she learned it there, basically, of like, she knew a little bit the basics of English, but she really dove in and started really learning once she was there and also probably visa restrictions or paperwork was probably more complicated I don't think we had the full EU system back in yeah. those days um so no she stopped working at that time and became the training spouse in a way <laughs> okay all right so that was seven years in Ireland how did it go as as a kid? Like, did you feel different or being a different culture or not really? I mean, not really, because I moved when I was two years old. So I don't 
think I could really compare to yeah. what I was living back in France and then in Ireland. Um, I mean, the only difference is everyone would know I was French in school and that I had French parents. And there was probably a couple of differences of how things were done at my parents' house versus how things were done at friends' house, just regarding meals and, and things like that. Just the way, yeah, I guess just what we were eating would be a little bit different. And obviously my holidays during the summer was going back to France to see my yeah. grandparents and things like that. But other than that, at that age, I really did not see a difference. The difference came when we moved after those seven years, um, we moved to South Africa and yeah. Johannesburg. And so at that time I was nine years old. So first it was, I'm leaving my life. <laughs> I can't live without my friends. Um, we were writing letters. There was a lot of cries when, uh, when okay. the announcement of us moving was made and then also once in South Africa it was my first time in the French system okay so that's when I started going to French school because it had a better reputation and also I was older and my parents just wanted me to be able to get into the French system because we'd probably go back to France at some point so to start getting in there and just okay so how how did you feel when you had to do the transition? Like maybe you might have, you know, like few tips for parents who might have to do a big move. And how do you tell to your kids? Or because you have the point of view of, of a kid mm-hmm. uh, going through this transition. So do you have any advice for the parents? I think it's really sitting down, talking through it, like explaining the reasons of the move. Um, giving as much information as possible of what it's going to be like there and also asking questions to the child. And I think that, I mean, there probably wasn't a lot of info for them at the time. Uh, I think that's what I lacked is, for me, it was going to the unknown. And I know that when they told me South Africa, my first image of where we were going to live is in the middle of a savanna with lions roaming around. That was my image. <laughs> <laughs> Nine years old, you're going to Africa. That was what I exactly. pictured. Yes. And I don't think I vocalized it to them either at that age. Um, but I don't think maybe they didn't help me vocalize also. Uh, there is an episode that I've done with meet Emily um, and she helps parents moving abroad and we discussed this topic and I thought things that she brings up are just clicked in my head of Uh this is how I should have been told okay Um, but there's this thing where they she she explains that you you sit down with with the children and it's also explaining that well it can be scary for the parents Mm-hmm. that they're also going into the unknown but that there's going to be joy and so one game that she talks about that I really I thought was such such a good thing is to go around the table where each person says something they're happy about something they're sad about or scared about of. okay and that helps you unlock what are the fears what are the questions and and why with your children and so you can actually answer because maybe you think oh they're afraid of leaving their friends or something like that when it could be something completely different that it's maybe very easy to to just bring a solution to or to explain and calm down that that fear okay and yeah it's about questioning and also explaining that well it's not an easy decision for you also leveling that 
because you don't know as a kid what your parents mm-hmm. are going through also and of course they're not going to put the whole load on you yeah but it it might help just to to know that they're also going through stuff I guess. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're moving big change from Ireland yeah. to South Africa. Yes. So <laughs> I imagine, like, you, were you a little bit disappointed when you arrived in Johannesburg and there was no lion and no savannah <laughs> around, <laughs> no giraffe Probably. running in the backyard? <laughs> Probably slightly, but I mean, that disappeared very, very quickly because it was okay. a whole new place. I mean... It was sunny all year long. Suddenly yeah. you're living in a huge house. And I mean, it's life in Africa where everyone has a big house and you have a gardener and you have a maid and everyone has a pool and a jacuzzi and this and that. Yeah. So it's a completely completely new sort of princess life that you come into and you're amazed by. You're amazed by yeah. everything. Everything's much bigger yeah. <laughs> than what you were used to and less rainy. <laughs> Okay, uh, so what was difficult with this change? Here you're talking about all the positives, but what was mm. difficult for you? I think the first day at school was scary um, because obviously you go to this new school where you know no one. Um, it's a new school system, so everything is going to be in French. Mm-hmm. So I, I I remember crying on my first day of school for sure, but it dissipated very, very quickly and I made friends extremely quickly I think what was difficult was just missing my friends back in Ireland Mm -hmm. but the rest I feel was very easy and quick to adapt um I mean we do talk about South Africa with the security issues and all that I think I was there at the right age I was there from 9 to 13 Mm -hmm where I didn't have this need of independence, like a teenager wants to go out mm-hmm. with their friends, go to the mall, yeah. go to a club or whatever. I didn't have that need. So the security thing was not an issue f- for me. Um, I would go to my friends. I would be dropped off at my friends or they would be yeah. at my house. We'd have play dates, but we didn't need, have that need to go out. So it was fine. If I'd lived it later it would have probably been a very different story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe at that age, you do not realize fully, you know, what no. is going on, or did you? I I mean, I think it clicked later, years later when talking with a, f- reconnecting with a friend that had lived there at the same time as me. There were mm-hmm. things that we understood. I mean, it was clear you sort of get a security package, like on the house, uh, on the on on the walls are very high. Yeah. Um. There's like electric fences everywhere. There's there's a gate within your house separating your bedrooms from the rest, and you put on the alarm and things like that. And there's a couple of reflexes that you're told to like get in quickly. You buy a guard dog. <laughs> you um whenever you're in a car, you lock it straight away. You're always looking, mm-hmm. always alert. But then things, yeah, clicked years later when connecting with this friend, we were talking and saying, oh, yeah, I remember opening, playing at a friend's house and she opened this this closet and there were knives all over the <laughs> closet wall. And you're like, maybe that wasn't normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just like someone would come for, for dinner and he'd 
actually have a gun that he wanted to put away yeah. and things like that where we didn't click at that age it's sort of connected years later of okay yeah. that was not <laughs> the usual environment that you would be in yeah. but it was normal for South Africa and you just learn to live with security measures <laughs> okay so how long did you stay and where did you go after that so we stayed for an four years four and a half and after that we moved back to France in Angoulême which is a small town <laughs> I don't know maybe 60,000 <laughs> 60,000 people yeah not very far from Bordeaux and Cognac uh, mm -hmm. if you want to situate it and we moved so I was 13 and very specific to note in the middle of a school year yeah great so 13 years old your early teens and suddenly you move to France for the first time in a way yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, you're changing hemispheres so you're going to yeah. summer to, from summer to winter and you land in this in this class of young kids who have known each other since they mm. were three years old and have yeah. never left the city um so that was I think the biggest biggest uh shock and the most difficult part of my childhood uh was okay. making that move and just trying to adapt in a life that I had never known and where I was completely misunderstood um uh -huh. I mean people were curious but it's an age where things don't come out right <laughs> I yeah, think. yeah yeah groups are very clicky so when you arrive in the middle of the school year so clicks are already made and so you have to find your tribe and try to click and it's also an age where we're all trying to figure ourselves out and understand yeah, yeah, yeah. what our yeah. tastes are so yeah it was complicated I think it took me a year a good year a year and a half to actually make strong friends who today are still my friends okay so it was worth a while so but it worked it, but it worked but it took a lot of time yeah And do you think it would have been different? Like, it's not necessarily France, but it would have been the same if you were going, I don't know, like to Germany or to Italy or what do you think? I think it, I mean, if I'd gone to Germany or Italy, I think I would have been in a French school or international school. Mm. So I would have been with other kids that had moved around and that had yeah. lived the same thing and that knew what it was like. And so you sort of connect because you've been through that challenge yeah. of moving yeah. making friends sure. and I think what in South Africa it was the French school but there were 19 nationalities in that yeah. school mm -hmm. and with kids coming I remember kids fleeing Kinshasa because there was a civil war going on in yeah. Kinshasa and suddenly had we have 10 kids that come in in the middle of the school year and yeah. everyone would just connect I mean there were Swiss there were South Africans with me there yeah. were whatever and everyone just would connect and it was a lot of children from diplomats so they were used yeah. to moving every two years and so yeah. you know you have to make friends quickly because you're not yeah. there to stay yeah. so you just yeah. go for it you're open you make friends and then you move on yeah <laughs> in France I mean it was they'd known each other for yeah for 10 years so <laughs> like suddenly this alien um, comes in she's lived abroad she's all tanned because it was summer and it's winter for yeah. them yeah. um I come in where I just spent four years living in a house with a maid and a gardener <laughs> and who lived that <laughs> it's 
it's it's i mean yeah. not to be a princess but it's strange you readapt to life or you, very yeah. quickly i mean you like you you know that's not a normal life you i mean you definitely i definitely learned the value of money and race and i mean there was still part of architecture was just finishing when i was in south mm-hmm. africa so i learned things about that that i hadn't been confronted to and the inequalities so it definitely brings you down to earth but when you still when you go back to france you've lived stuff that they don't understand yeah 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 and yeah you're just different Um, different can be a bit scary at that age i mean even later (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, i'm sure i'm sure it must have been hard did you ever have like some negative comments or um yeah like towards you because you you had this experience I don't think it was really negative. Um, it was just strange. And I find it strange to be questioned about these things sometimes. There there was this time where I one of the school kids saw me on a weekend at a fair, at a at a fun fair, and my neighbors had actually brought me there with their kids. And so mm-hmm. I was in the bumper car with um with their father uh, so my neighbor and the next day this girl at school who had seen me there comes up to me saying oh I saw you um I saw you at the fun fair um you were there with your father have you been adopted (laughs) 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 and it's just these assumptions because I didn't look like that person indeed he was not my father (laughs) so but no, there was not like negative comments at all. It was more a question of understanding how yeah. how things work. I think negative comments maybe came in on my first week when I didn't have the cool stuff that no, was cool yeah, in France. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's I get just that. the fashion trends were completely different. I think in South Africa we were a bit of a in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And what I realized just very recently is I think we were in this bubble because of this, just given the fact that there's these security issues where you don't walk around on the street. So you don't go shopping alone as a kid. So you don't really go shopping as a teen when you're yeah. 12, 13 years old. You don't know what the trends are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Versus yeah. kids in Angoulême yeah. on their lunch break, they go roaming around the city and, oh, that's the new backpack that everyone mm-hmm. has to have. Mm-hmm. That Those are the pairs of jeans that everyone has to have. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly I arrive in France and I'm not dressed yeah. like the cool kids. Clearly not. <laughs> and I... so that, I think, just created a little bit of a blocker to be able mm-hmm. also to blend in because, yeah, it's that age where if you're not wearing this or that, well, you're not part mm-hmm. of the clique. I yeah. mean, it fades away later, but it's an age. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I understand. Okay, so so you were saying it took you like around one year to, to mm. get adapted and... In, in a way, you know, to get accepted in some groups yeah. and have friends. And how long did you stay in France and what was your next destination? So um, by that time, I, I I did my high school, part of my high school there. So we stayed four years. Mm-hmm. And so in my second last year of high school, before the famous baccalaureate in France, uh, the terminating exam, my dad got a job offer in Japan, Tokyo. And so that was 
the big question and they actually gave me a choice they explained um it yeah. was better transition also I was older <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which, honestly I find it amazing that they gave you the choice <laughs> so yeah they gave me the choice because obviously I was only gonna go like my last year of um high school it's a big year it's pretty intense and so they gave me the choice either I could stay in in my class uh, in Angoulême um, mm -hmm. and a friend, a, a good friend of mine could have like hosted me. He was my best friend. So I, I would have lived there for a year or I could go with them. Mm -hmm. I chose to go. I mean, so Japan, Tokyo. <laughs> um, so what we did is he left earlier. He left in the middle of the school year. This time okay. with my mother, we finished the school year till the end because we do have exams in France mm -hmm. uh, the second last year. And then we made uh, the transition. And I moved for just one year, did my final uh, final exams year in Tokyo in the French school. Mm -hmm. And then I moved back to France alone for my studies while my parents stayed in Tokyo. So that was also the wow. big separation when you're 18. Uh, moving out of the house was yeah. moving out of the country and the continent. <laughs> Yeah. So, so how was it in Japan? Did did you feel this? Because it must have been a huge cultural shock. But at the same time, were you in an international environment again? Mm, yes. I mean, it was a French school, which is also which has a Japanese option. So you have a lot okay. of uh, a lot of Japanese actually go to that school, and a lot of half French, half Japanese um, okay. go to that school. So it is pretty international. Um, but less than South Africa, it's more limited to French and Japanese yeah. students. Okay. Um, it was definitely a shock. Then it was a very intense year, one, because there is this final exam and the rhythm in that high school was a lot higher and the level was a lot higher for me. There okay. was a lot of catching up. Okay. And the rhythm was intense because we actually had like three to four hour exams every Saturday morning. So your weekends are just a day and a half. Wow. Yep. Um, in, in most schools in France, you don't have that. Uh, so, no. But in the one in Tokyo, you did have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was this shock just in terms of the studying because the rhythm was different. Mm -hmm. Also, it was a much smaller school, especially when you arrive in high school because exactly like myself, I think some parents at that time when their kids arrive at age could be a little reluctant to change them, to change the school because you have all these exams mm -hmm. and it can be nice to have the continuity and not like give them too much of a change. Yeah. Um, and so we were only eight per class. So there was like three <gasps> classes in wow. the end year, um, scientific uh, literature and economics. It, there were only eight students each time so indeed uh you work a lot more because yeah. like the, the the teachers are there with you yeah, <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. um yeah. also means that you have less people to make friends with but like everyone talks to each other so it was a little bit easier but at the same time a little bit like Angoulême in a different way um there was more this thing where I was only going to be there for one year they had yeah. known each other obviously for a couple of years before I was the only one arriving for the last 
the last year. And I think we didn't have that much time or even will to bond that much because everyone knew we were all leaving after the end of high school. So basically you only have eight to nine months of class anyway. And so making friends in that short amount of time, plus all the studying was a little bit harder. I mean, I made friends. It was a nice year. Yeah. But they're definitely not people I kept in touch with like Mm -hmm. maybe the first two years we'd meet up a little bit in Paris and then it just yeah died out okay all right interesting and then after that so you got the baccalaureate and you came back to France to study right exactly I moved to Paris to study and spent two amazing years there okay then I did my business school in Poitiers so still in France but closer to where my parents live my parents moved back France throughout those years and throughout my yeah my college business school I I continued my traveling I mean I still wanted to go abroad (laughs) I had that itch and so we were we had the option to do a semester abroad I went to the U.S. Jacksonville Florida yay I did a gap year where I interned for a full year but I did six months internship in London Mm-hmm. And then I mean, yeah, after school, I moved back to Paris, uh, started living my Parisian life. Yeah. Which I really, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I loved the vibe in Paris, the culture, and there's still a little bit of international, but it's, I wasn't really in it. Um, and so after five years, that itch of traveling again came mm-hmm. back and there was a little bit of, um, there was a a challenge I wanted to take up in a way up to now I had like up to that time I had always moved because my parents I was moving with my parents yeah or I was moving with the school and so I was always in that safe environment bubble of Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. they're finding a school for you and the housing and this and everything's sort of yeah easy you just like slide in and adapt to the life that was built for you and so there was a bit of this challenge that I wanted to take on was to move on my own. Uh-huh. I was thinking about it, but not really looking into it. Was trying to change jobs in Paris, wanted to change industry, I needed a big change. So I was looking for and applying to jobs, but nothing was picking up. And simply I applied to this job at IBM, where it was okay. listed as a job posting in Paris but when you opened the job description it said it's actually based in Dublin I said you know what okay. I'll apply and see what happens I know okay. Dublin it's fine it's the only job that went through all so, right I yeah I think by the time I applied and the time they came back to me it was like three weeks had happened and they're like okay well you're Let's in go. and can you move okay. to Dublin and I was like okay well, I'm moving in two months <laughs> Okay. So it went quite fast. And it's really funny. So you wanted to go back to Dublin or it was just an opportunity and you were like, okay, let's do it. It was more of an opportunity. I was looking Mm -hmm. for jobs in Paris. I wasn't looking abroad, even though I sort of had a feeling that I wanted to move. And when I read that the job posting was actually in Dublin, my reaction was, you know what? I know the city. I have friends from back then but also new French friends that had moved to mm-hmm. Ireland so it was a little bit of this is a good compromise it mm-hmm. still me moving abroad on my own terms but there is this thing where I know the country I know people it's close I can like if I have a blues weekend or a blues yeah. night 
I can fly back easily on a weekend. And I think that was sort of the criteria I wanted and needed at the time. Plus, I was in a relationship at the time. And okay, so we went long distance for a couple of years because I decided to move on a snap of finger. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I can like call him and say, oh, I'm going to Australia. Yeah, that would have been more difficult. Possible, but yeah. Okay. All right. So so how long did you stay in, in Dublin? I stayed four and a half years. It was great. It was a great jump in my career. Definitely the jump I needed because I think there's something about Anglo-Saxons where they give you a chance if you even if you don't check all the boxes versus yeah. France can be a little bit more tricky on that yeah. side. Yeah. So you, yeah, you're able to move around a lot. It's, I mean, it's tech haven also for anyone working mm-hmm. in tech. Uh, it's the mini, the European Silicon Valley. So everyone okay. knows someone from Google, Facebook, LinkedIn. So it's a great hub to network and to evolve mm-hmm. in. Um, definitely helped on my career side. I was able to achieve what I wanted. I was very happy there. I made lots of friends, traveled constantly within the country but also within Europe I mean yeah. Ryanair and their lingus are there and yeah. <laughs> yeah. they help you move around cheaply and it's full of internationals and that was great why I, I always say my first few years were like paid Erasmus in Dublin okay because it's Amazing. all these like late 20s early thirties mm-hmm. who, who moved to Dublin for a couple of years. Um, we all work in tech. We're all arriving. It's a lot of Europeans because all these tech companies recruit mm-hmm. Spanish for the Spanish market, French for the French yes. market, Germans, yes. etc. So you have all these nationalities that are here and everyone's sort of living the same experience. Mm-hmm. And so you bond with people very, very qu- quickly. Mm-hmm. So I got that international vibe that I wanted and yeah people are nice people go out the Irish are friendly you know they're very welcoming and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of going out to the pub a lot of drinking (laughs) I'm way healthier since I've moved back from (laughs) (laughs) that's good to know for anyone wanting to go like to Ireland you will have to go out to the pub compulsory (laughs) learn to like Guinness (laughs) okay so so what happened what what made you come back to Paris. Uh, what made me come back? I I mean, after two and a half, three years, I was starting to want to move back. Okay. I felt like I'd done my life in Dublin. I mean, I was happy there, but I wasn't, there was something missing. I think relationship wise also, I wasn't finding what I needed there. Uh, the weather was, I mean, it was daunting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the weather yeah. was definitely daunting. Mm-hmm. and I missed culture uh okay. I missed culture and style in a way just architecture or going to the museums mm-hmm. or having theaters like just next door yeah the lifestyle the Parisian French lifestyle I I missed I love okay. the happiness in Ireland and the welcoming but I definitely miss that piece plus you're on an island so every time you want to go somewhere you're mm. on a plane absolutely it just makes things a little bit harder and I think family also was I was at a point in my life where family was starting I mean I could see my parents Mm -hmm. getting older my my grandparents also were starting to pass away and I wasn't there for those moments so it's also okay okay. I feel like it's time so I was starting to look for jobs 
mm-hmm. for the past year, year and a half applying, okay. but nothing was picking up. And I really loved my job in Dublin at the time. I was working in events. It was what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Marketing, events, traveling. Um, it, it was perfect. Yeah. Uh, but when it was getting exhausting and to, I, yeah, I just wanted to move back. And suddenly COVID hit. There you go. <laughs> uh, we started working remotely very early on in March. Mm-hmm. I called my manager saying, hey, is it okay if I just go back to my parents for until things just settle yeah. down with COVID? Uh, I think it'll be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he said, yes. I packed up my hand luggage saying, hey, bye guys. See you in two months. And two weeks later, yeah. layoffs happened. And so 50% of the company was laid off, myself included, obviously. Wow. Okay. Surprise. Surprise. And that's when I decided that's mm-hmm. it. I'm I'm not going back. And I have yeah. actually not been back to this date. I'm planning to go back in January, but... It's wow. been almost three years I have not set foot back with all the travel restrictions and tests and quarantines. It was useless of me going back to make my move because I needed three days and I would have mm-hmm. had to stay for 14 days. So my friends actually packed up all of my oh life my God. there. Okay. Luckily, you had good friends over there. Oh. They packed up all of my life and I did it through WhatsApp. <laughs> Keep this, throw that out. And that was it. And uh, yeah. that was the end of my expat life in the blink of an eye. So yeah, it's a little a bit big, dramatic. Yeah, yeah, it was a big shock. It was yeah. Suddenly you wake up, you're you're in lockdown. Yeah. You don't have a yeah. job, and you've left. You've left your life and your expat yeah. life, and you know that reverse culture shock is gonna hit way harder yeah. because you haven't prepared. Like I, I wasn't able to close my yeah. life or prepare to the end of that life. So that's when I had a lot of time on my hands and how this podcast was born of me wanting (laughs) to stay connected to the internationals, uh, to the international life and also talk to people who were going, who had gone through moving abroad, uh, Mm -hmm. who had gone through coming back Mm -hmm. and just talking and hearing other, like you guys' stories uh, (laughs) also helped me heal. (laughs) So it was was therapy at first and uh, it stayed on because, yeah, it's happy to connect with all of you. Yeah. All right. And, and how was the cultural shock when you came back as an adult? So I think that's, this one's tricky because we were in lockdown. Yes, that's so very strange conditions to come of, back to. Yeah. yeah, it was very strange conditions. It was, it was lockdown. I was out of work. So it sort of took a lot of time to hit. Like mm-hmm. there's not one moment where I said, okay, now it's hitting me. Um, I was prepared. Uh, the good thing is I knew what was going to come I sort of wanted to tell myself that because I knew what was going to come it wasn't going to happen but obviously it still did (laughs) (laughs) but I think I was just able to deal with it and recognize the yeah you could handle it better like you knew what was coming yeah so it took me a year to actually get back in the work market and move back to make the move back to Paris at that time. I was lucky enough that I I already had a flat in Paris at the time. So it's just easier to transition in a way. It also felt like I was going back in time because 
I was going back to the flat that I had left before moving to Ireland. And I think that was a little bit hard also because it was a bit of, wait a minute, am I like, how am I still here? Uh uh (laughs) Did I not make a step? And so it it took a lot of time just to acknowledge, okay, no, you have changed in this and that way and in this new area, new job and things like that. But a difficult piece is the friends and the circles Mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. you always feel, oh, you're going to come back. Everyone's going to be so happy. And no, that's not how it happens. They say they're happy, but if you don't reach out, nothing's going to happen. And it's that thing of just accepting that you're going to have to put in all the effort. Yes. And this is a constant that I see with Mm. every expat. Whenever an expat come back, whether it's for holiday or come back to yeah. live somewhere. It's up to you to actually go around the entire country yeah. to see your friends. Otherwise, no one is going to come and because they are living their life without you. So suddenly, yeah. because you come back doesn't mean that, you know, like you're entitled to have a visit or something, no. which I understand. But it's also hard when you, when you come back and you're like, hey, I'm here. And yeah. it's kind of, there is nobody in front of you. You know, you're like, okay, <laughs> so that was great to come back, you know? <laughs> I know, your ego gets it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I understand the other side as well. Like, yeah. okay, they are living their life without you. I mean, yeah, they moved with on. you. But and uh, you, you yeah. moved on also. Um, you created a whole life abroad without them. So Exactly, exactly. So, so do you have any tips maybe on how to come back and make it as smooth as possible and Um, uh, and I have sorry I have also another thing do you feel like you're coming back because when we look at your life you spend your childhood as an expat moving mm -hmm. to various different countries and where does this feeling of coming back because you you went not so much in France you know like not so long in France I mean, my my first job was in France. I stayed for the five okay. years. I bought a flat. I mean, I was, I'd made okay. friends. Um, I'd made circles, both from business school and then my 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 first job in Paris. So it felt it felt like home. Paris felt like home for me. Okay, I sort of built it there. So it was coming back. I think how to approach it is just be conscious that you're going to have to make the efforts. And don't be afraid to make new friends. And I think that's Mm -hmm. maybe something that takes a lot more time because maybe you just have to readjust with like life, paperwork, family, Mm -hmm. new job, new environment. Um, But I think putting yourself out there to go also make new circles of friends um, is definitely something helpful. And for me, it's also making those circles through the internationals because mm-hmm. I need that vibe. I'm happy because within my company, there are a lot of internationals. So mm-hmm. that works out for me and it's yeah. definitely a culture fit. Um, yeah. But also having those circles in my, uh, in my friend zone. Yeah. All right. So I'm curious to know, how do you think being an expat child shaped you as an adult that you are now? I think it definitely gave me a lot of adaptability for yeah. sure. Um, where, yeah, I might feel, okay, this is going to be challenging, but I'm definitely able to adjust and just 
Paris route, whatever it is, maybe at work, maybe just like living abroad or going on holidays. I think there is that piece of me where I'll just go for it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So that would be one thing. Also, open minds and like wanting to connect with other cultures, other internationals, and just not being blocked with one point of view, but definitely mm-hmm. opening. I see a difference with friends who have moods um, around that much. And for sure, just the fact that I've continued traveling and I have this love for travel and mm-hmm. an itch to move around um, is definitely, definitely comes from my parents mm-hmm. and my childhood. <laughs> okay, great. And do you think Paris is home? Or do you think you're going to move again Paris is somewhere home else? for the moment. It's, okay. it's home for the moment. I mean, I <laughs> sold the old flat for a new one. <laughs> so okay. it's going to be home for at least a few years. And then we'll see, we'll see what happens. I mean, I don't close that. I'll, I might move at another part of mm-hmm. another time in my life. Um, I might move again, maybe in France, maybe abroad. Who knows? Never close yeah. the door. That's something I've learned. It's like, never say never. No. You will see what happens. <laughs> You will see what happens. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Okay. All right. I think we can move on to the recommendations. So let's let's do it in Paris, maybe, so that it's uh, the most updated ones. So what would you recommend? Do you have a cafe to recommend? Yeah, I think my cafe bar uh, is one I would go to a lot in the past uh, in the past year when I was living in the 15th around this month or so side part of Paris so I work in a company where we can do a lot of remote so I'd often go to co-working spaces and Voiquins is a cafe restaurant co-work space don't go if you have meetings but uh, if you just want to work around it's a perfect place it's on the Voie Douce so which is it's a known train line um, that's not no longer working, but that's been transformed into a um, sort of the, the skyline, like a... Um... Is it a green belt? Yes, it's a green belt, exactly. Okay. And the old train station at, mm-hmm. in that area has been transformed into this cafe bar in which you can co-work, where they have big windows looking nice. onto the greenery. Um, the guys are really nice uh, working there. And so it's yeah. lovely to have a coffee, to have lunch, or even a beer on Thursday and Friday nights. Uh, and you get to sit outside in the sun. Yeah, <laughs> With no cars. <laughs> no cars in Paris, which is great. <laughs> Sounds lovely. So what about a restaurant? Do you have a good place to go and have a meal? <sighs> restaurant, there are so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a hard one to choose. Two two favorites. One is more a street. Uh, it's Rue Saint-Anne on the 8th arrondissement, and that's for any Japanese restaurant. They have lots of mm. real Japanese restaurants where you can eat ramen, tonkatsu, all the local mm-hmm. uh, Japanese dishes are available there. And the second one I would recommend is in the sixth arrondissement in Odeon. Um, okay. It's more of a Peruvian vibe and you can dance there on Saturday nights. It's a little bit tapas style. It's called Bazurto restaurant. Bazurto, okay. And the last, my carte blanche um, is going to be a bit of a fancy one, but it's when you go next to SNI 10, there's a hotel called Le Cheval Blanc. And they have a rooftop 
around our bar and uh, restaurant. And so my advice would be to go up for a coffee mm -hmm. early morning or late morning, just try to fit it between the like hotel breakfast times. Uh -huh. um, that's when they'll let you up. It's going to be an expensive <laughs> coffee, but you have an amazing view on all the monuments of Paris and the Seine. Mm -hmm. So that would be mm -hmm. my recommendation. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Pauline. I'm sure everybody, all your listeners are really happy to hear your story, which is absolutely amazing. And, and oh, I forgot the song. Sorry. <laughs> so what's your song? Yeah, I forgot. I didn't write yeah. it down. What is your song, Pauline? Uh, my song is going to be Good Times by Jamie, Jamie XX. I'll link it in the comments. Um, okay. It has a bit of afro vibes always makes me happy and i think it's definitely a song that i listen to a lot in dublin when coming back all right very often so. okay to give you a little bit of energy when you were down exactly. or... yeah okay it's a happy song <laughs> you need this type of songs in your playlist when you're a bit yes. down eh? yeah exactly i like that okay That's it then. Thank you very much, Pauline. I'm sure all the listeners are enjoying your own story. And Thanks, Fanny, for uh, agreeing to do it and taking over <laughs> today. <laughs> I'm really happy. It's a really funny, fun experience. Yeah. So, so maybe my last word would be uh, for all the listeners to please... Um, If you enjoy the podcast, put a five star and a comment if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Pauline. And Thank see you, you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.